Hello and welcome to a fan commentary for the 1998 movie Urban Legend. Um, I am Jimmy and I'm joined by my dear friend Jen. Hello Jen. Hello. Hello. Um, and we are going to do an audio commentary for Urban Legend. And What happens is we have paused the movie, if you want to watch along, we've paused the movie um, right after the Phoenix Pictures logo. So there's a black screen for both of us. And then I'll count down and then press play. And we should be watching the movie together. Um, and we'll just start just now. So, are you ready, Jen? Yeah. Right, so three, two, one, play. And there should... Right, no sound because we will get copyright claimed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Urban Legend. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jen and I host... Have you just stumbled ac- across this... Um, commentary. Jen and I host a podcast called So What's the Problem? Where we watch movies from our youth and we just decide you know, whether they're problematic by today's standards. But I decided to do this commentary because I forced Jen to watch Cherry Falls and she wasn't <laughs> having it. So... <laughs> it was for fine. The, for the podcast. <laughs> no, I just I wanted to do something for Halloween anyway for October. I wanted to have something Something extra, so that's a little bonus. So, Jen, what um, what is your uh, history with this movie and your feelings of it? Uh, I saw it opening weekend in the theater, oh, brilliant. Uh, and I've I've seen it at least half a dozen times. It's been mm-hmm. a little. I thought I'd seen it recently, but then I realized I think I just was thinking about it really hard one day, so I thought I watched it and. Uh, I have it on DVD, which is what I'm watching right now, instead of trying to find it streaming. And I right. I love it. It's not the best, but I love it. What about you? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a strange history with this. Um, my mum and her boyfriend at the time, um, who, that's the only time I'm ever going to mention them, um, <laughs> they went and saw it. They had a date night and they went and saw this movie. My mum's not a huge horror movie fan. But she went and saw it. And when she came back, she just would not shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> and she spoiled the entire thing and told me everything. So I knew who the killer was. So that was in 1998. Uh, so I saw it on, maybe it was 1999, I would have saw it on VHS, possibly. Um, already known who the killer was. So it sort of... That sucks. Yeah, my mum didn't mean it. She just she was just excited because she liked to film, uh, but yeah. So I was kind of put off a little by it. But rewatching it over the years, I've grown to have a little bit of affection for it because I mean, this movie would never have got made if it wasn't for Scream. Yeah, let's face it. Um, a lot of movies would never have got made if it wasn't for Scream. But this movie at least tries something a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, killing people by urban legends is a good idea anyway. I mean, that's quite a smart idea. Um, so, so yeah, over the years I just liked it more and more. And I watched it the other night there and I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> Even though I knew what was coming, I still enjoyed it. Um so, as I said earlier, we did a commentary for Cherry Falls. 
uh, not calm down, sorry, we did a podcast with Cherry Fox, and I noticed that Jesse Bradford was like fourth build in that movie, even though he yeah. dies at the beginning. It's the same for this actress here. <laughs> well, she's, she's billed quite sort of low, high, whatever, high, high. I think that she was having a little moment at the time, because um, isn't this around the same time as two girls and a guy? Right. Uh, I feel like she had like done some indie movies, but yeah, she wasn't like a huge star. And I didn't even know until this year that um, Natasha Gregson Wagner is uh, the daughter of Natalie Wood. All right. Oh yeah, Robert Wagner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. She, she actually, I think she made it. She recently made a documentary about her mother's death. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she has a really good relationship with her father, so he's not right. necessarily a suspect to her. Um, that's right. my understanding, anyway. But does, I, she blame, does she blame it on Christopher Walken? You know, I don't think anyone <laughs> does, which is weird. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, we have we have to say we we'll have to be careful what we're saying here because I can't edit any of this. Jail, so. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I've seen this movie enough that. This morning, I got total eclipse of the heart in my head just thinking about it. I actually, the song played in the radio today. I was listening really? to the radio. Yeah, and it, it, it played and it just reminded me of this song, uh, this movie, sorry. Um, right, so here's Brad Dourif, who is a legend in horror movies. Um, he's the voice of Chucky. Oh, wow. And he is also... Um, he plays Billy Babbitt in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And he has a stutter in that movie. Um, so when they were making this movie, they called this um, attendant, they called him Babbitt because of that. Even though it's not his actual name in the movie. But they all called him Babbitt because of the stutter. But he didn't want to do another character with a stutter because he like played Billy Babbitt. And I think he... Did he not? I think he got an Oscar nomination for that movie. Um, I could be wrong, but yeah. Yeah, this is a movie that is uh, they are honoring uh, other horror films by like like I didn't know about him, but like Robert England's in it, mm-hmm. and Danielle Harris who was in some Halloween movies. Um, I don't know if anybody else is from other horror films, but three's enough. But this yeah. guy, I I like this opening because he's like super creepy and shit, and because he's stuttering, they, I mean, he can't get out what he wants to say, but he's trying to help her. I know this poor guy. I know, and he gets arrested for his troubles. It sucks. Um, I know, but we don't really hear anything from him. He must he must get let off with it because you know. I love this shot, this crane shot, just swooping. It's, it's, I don't know why it's there, but it's a great shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I assume it's just there just to show sort of, um, uh, you know, desperation and um, anxiety on her part. And then he just finally screams it out. God, I, yeah. I, I wonder what this movie's like for, like, if you don't know the urban legends. Right, like this well, one no, is I an didn't. urban legend. Oh, really? Because like no. this is an urban legend that Scottish, I think about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how these things travel. <laughs> this is one that, like, as you know, a grown ass adult, like I still think about sometimes when I'm driving mm-hmm. at night. 
Like, there's that fear. I mean, this is this this urban legend is the reason a lot of people look in their back seat when they get in the car, right? Like, yeah, it's it's the person hiding in your back seat, and someone's trying to warn you. Um, but yeah, you think, think that person's after you. Yeah, I think this this one that urban legend is actually um like world known i think it's something that uh, people here know as well i just want to point out that it's very clever that the point in the song where she says i feel like i'm falling apart and then the girl gets her head chopped off that's quite clever and when she gets her head chopped off the outside shot the um the car has stopped so mm-hmm. but we don't see her stopping the car she just like screams and then when we see the the glass getting smashed and the blood coming out the car, then it's already okay. Tara, Reed, oh calm my down. god! Oh my god! <laughs> For those of you not watching the movie, Tara Reid just did something very nasty to her <laughs> to her microphone. Yes, which to be fair is quite you know phallically shaped. <laughs> well, and she's so. doing she's doing a radio show about like sex. Yeah. So I just Tara Reid got got typecast as like the the slutty blonde at the beginning mm-hmm. of her career a lot. And she, I mean, I'm not going to say Terry's like the best actress in the world, but she's capable of more. I think she's good in this. I mean, she's, um, she's good. I just, I wish that she had, cause this is the peak of her career. I wish she'd gotten to do a little more. Yeah. Well, I listened to the audio commentary and Jamie Blanks, a director um, said that, uh, you could tell it was an old commentary um, because the director says that Tara Reid is going to be a big star. <laughs> um, and the commentary was recorded like uh, while the movie was still in theatres. So that's how old the commentary is on my Blu-ray. Uh, oh, Jared Leto. Like, I... <laughs> now he's, you know, this rock star who occasionally does, you know... A movie, but like at this time, he's just known for acting, and he's Jordan Catalano, and it's yeah. just, it's weird to see him in this movie. This is a very yeah. different time in his career. It is. Um, also, for some obscure reason, Jared Leto's top build. I mean, he's at this point, he's one of the most recognizable actors because Michael Rosenbaum isn't very well known. Um, Alicia Witt is known for Sybil and yeah. that's about it and then uh, Rebecca Gayhart was known for 90210 and some Noxima commercials um, yeah and they mentioned that later on in the film yeah. they make a joke about that um, but I put it to you though Jen that they should have maybe put Joshua Jackson first because the director even states that he wanted Josh Jackson to be sort of like the um, the Vivian, the, what's her name? Vivian Lee, Janet um, Lee, or the, the Janet Lee. Sorry, Vivian Lee's way gone with the wind. Um, Janet Lee and uh, uh, Drew Barrymore, um, mm-hmm. the, the the one recognizable face that gets killed early. So maybe they should have put Josh Jackson first, <laughs> just to mess with people's it's, minds. <laughs> his his first few movies, once he was doing Dawson's Creek, it was always such a mm-hmm. bummer because I was always excited to see him. But it's like he has one scene in Scream Two, he yeah. has a you know a couple scenes in this, he has a few scenes in Cruel Intentions, 
and it felt like he wasn't really getting anything to like the skulls. Oh yeah, the and, skulls. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot all about he also that did movie. A, he also did a movie around the same time called Lone Star, but that didn't do anything. Right. But I loved it. I loved this cast. Like at the time, I was aware of all these people except for maybe Michael Rosenbaum. And, yeah. Uh, I was very. That's why I saw the movie opening weekend. I really, really like Alicia Witt. And let me tell you what: when Rebecca Gayhart was in Nine Hundred Two and Zero, I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the whole world. I was obsessed with her. <laughs> like for some, and it's specifically Nine Hundred Two and Zero. Like I just remember watching mm-hmm. that show and being like, "Wow, there's no one more beautiful than Rebecca Gayhart." <laughs> See, Rebecca Gayhart's got. She's got a very distinctive look. So is Alicia Witt. But I mm. think she's got, like, really beautiful eyes. Yeah. But they're also really fucking crazy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she uses them to great effect later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when she goes full tilt, you know, crazy, over the top. Um, spoilers, by the way, she's a killer. Um <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. Oh, well. <laughs> if someone's actually watching this with us and watching it for the first time, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, probably. Yeah, don't listen to a commentary and watch the movie for the first time. Watch the movie first, then listen to the commentary. I've listened to commentaries on DVDs where they um, they were like, oh, we don't want to spoil it for anyone. And yeah. it's like, first of all, no one should be watching this for the first Like, this shouldn't be their first viewing. And second of all, you miss out on interesting information because they don't want to talk about anything that's going to happen later. Mm. Oh, God, and that blonde hair on Joshua Jackson. I know. He was 19 when they filmed this. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) He celebrated his 20th birthday um, before the end of the shoot. Uh, So. Is it bad that I still have a crush on him? What he uh, watching him in this? Yes. Uh, no. Well, he's you, an adult. Act- it's okay. Actually, not this because <laughs> I don't like the blonde hair. But Dylan, no. Dylan, my husband did get on to me recently because I was rewatching Dawson's Creek, and um, around season two and three is like Pacey being his best. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry, I have a crush on him. And Dylan was like, You can't, you can't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, Daniel Harris is um, pretending to have sex with a, an actor that she really did not like. Oh, really? Filming with, yeah. That must suck. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine but, having a roommate like that. I had no. when I was in college. I had a friend who had a roommate that she'd grown up very, very repressed and religious. So when she got to college, mm-hmm. she just went insane. And one night, uh, my friend woke up to find her roommate having sex with a guy, and, like, there was another guy in the room watching, and she immediately made arrangements to move out. Right. I was like, I didn't know that <laughs> that happened in real life. I thought that was just movies. Um. So, there's some really good... I mean, this is uh, Jamie Blanks' first movie as a director, mm-hmm. and he uses a lot of, like, cameras really well because we had the, the swoop and crane shot earlier we just had a helicopter um, panning shot there, it was really nice 
So I think it's a competently directed movie. What else did um, he direct? Uh, after this, he directed Valentine. Oh, okay. With David Boreanaz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's... Pr- oh, no, he did another movie, an Australian movie. I can't remember the name of it. Storm, Storm Warning, I think it was called. It was an Australian horror movie. I've never seen it. But I think that's it. He's very... I think he was a, a music video director. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And there's Robert England. Uh, of course, Freddy Krueger. Uh, that's one thing I always liked about like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies is no matter how shit they got and they got really shit um, Robert England was Freddy in all of them like that's that's dedication but mm-hmm. also it's consistency because like Halloween Michael Myers, not that he needs to be played by the same guy but Michael Myers has been played by about 50 different stunt guys so is Jason um, but because Freddy had an actual personality to him, it was good that they kept that consistency of one man playing him for the entire run, apart from the remake. And he also did a TV show as Freddy. And we so. don't talk about the remake. No, the remake is utter garbage. Well, I was—I actually was talking about the remake the other day because uh, <laughs> Kyle Gallner said that uh, the script for Scream 5 is fantastic and... Uh, he thinks that the movie will recreate the magic of the first movie. And Mm. his opinion goes a long way with me because he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and he knows it was trash. So uh, I don't think he would do another another franchise like that without it being good. Man. Yeah, is that... that Sorry. Oh, I've done this. The the Pop Rocks and uh, Coke. Have you? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Pepsi. <laughs> a, a real American drinks Coke. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I prefer Pepsi. I've that. done it, and I, I'm, I'm dead. Yeah, you're dead. This yeah, is actually Jen's, Jen's um, ghost speaking to us from the Netherworld. So that's good. That's a, an exclusive for you folks. <laughs> um, see, I, I, I had no idea about this until I watched this movie. Um, this was something because I didn't know who Mikey was. This this was all new to me. So, you know, one thing that really sucks about the internet is that it is easier to disprove urban legends. And there was kind of it was kind of nice having like these, you know, like the whole. Not that I ever believed it, but the the thing of like. Marilyn Manson was the guy from the Wonder Years or whatever. Yeah. Like, that. these days it's way too easy to disprove stuff. And, I mean, that's good if you're talking about, like, QAnon or something. But if you're talking about, like, this Mikey thing, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> I kind of miss us believing stupid things like that. Yeah. Yeah, everything can, can get debunked now mm-hmm. quite easily. So there's no fun in that. <laughs> Well, not everybody believes stuff if you debunk it, so uh, they'll still say that you're lying. Yeah, true. Man, Joshua, I miss Joshua Jackson. <laughs> I mean, I the affair's good, but I only watched a few episodes, and I I miss funny Joshua Jackson. Yeah, 
I don't know what he's doing now though, because the affair's finished, isn't it? He has something. I saw I saw something about something recently, but I'm pissed because I think he's not going to be in that uh, Mighty Ducks show, and oh, he should be. He should be, and I don't see what. Oh, little fires everywhere. All oh, right, he said that. He was Reese Witherspoon's husband. That was a good show. So he's trying to just do. He's trying to be serious, Josh Jackson now. Yeah, I want funny Joshua Jackson. Wait. So. Yeah, lunatic on campus, but, uh, no, she didn't actually go to campus. She'd left, but, um, so that was a little, sort of goof there. But although I think Paul's just trying to make it sort of, um, just trying to scare people. There was a guy standing there that I was convinced was Michael Pena, but he disappeared. Right, okay. <laughs> That's why I'm so distracted. It's because I was like, is that Michael Pena? Alright, so you're so you're on Michael Pena watch then, are you? Mm-hmm. Just to see if he's back there in the crowd somewhere. But probably not him. This is around the time he started. He was on some episodes of Felicity. He could very well be there then. Oh man, Jared Leto's eyes. Like I was never <laughs> I was never a huge Jared Leto gal, but like I get it when you see those 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 eyes. Definitely don't like him now. Yeah. I don't enjoy his music. Right. Yeah. He does he does have he does have um nice eyes. I will say that. <laughs> He's very pretty. He is. He is a pretty boy. Uh, which, you know, they remind us of in this movie a few times. <laughs> yeah. Hey, isn't Paul we're very pretty? Isn't he a pretty man? <laughs> I like Paul. I love Paul. No, you don't. I love Paul. Yeah, okay. He's so pretty. I mean... He's, he is there's pretty. A, there's a reason why everybody loved jo- Jordan Catalano. Yeah. I felt and, um, if Brian my so called life. Yeah, if Brian had had a haircut, he would have he would have been my guy. But yeah, Jordan Catalano, I really I still I still hope Angela and him worked out. <laughs> at least for a little while. Yeah, what was Joshua Jackson thinking of with that hair? I don't th- I mean it wasn't they, they mention it in the commentary, but they just they don't say that it, they wanted him to dye his hair. He just dyed his hair. <laughs> Well, there's this thing with actors, um, like Ethan Embry had this, where because of their job, they have to have their hair a certain way. And right. um, Ethan Embry would, at the end of every job, completely change his hair. Like he'd dye it or he'd shave his head or something. And so if you if he was doing a movie like Can't Really Wait, which had reshoots, mm-hmm. he, he would drive everybody crazy because he would show up and the hair was just like not right. And he would often have to wear wigs and stuff. And so I always wondered if with Joshua Jackson, if it was just a matter of, you know, he'd finished filming a season of Dawson's Creek and just wanted to do something different. But then I think the Felicity thing ruined it for everyone <laughs> because then they yeah. put it into contracts that they couldn't change their hair without permission, <laughs> which is stupid because you know what? I liked her hair and that had nothing to do with the ratings going down. No, but it would be it would be strange if Alicia Witt turned up to set one day and she dyed her hair black. Yeah, well, she's she's known for that red hair. Like, I, yeah, I can't imagine her without it. I'm sure she's been without it in something, but 
And yeah. I noticed she's gotten into the whole like Hallmark holiday movie game. Right. Good for her. My understanding is actors love getting into the whole Hallmark or Lifetime thing mm-hmm. with with those cheesy movies because it's apparently a fun job. The pay is good. And they keep asking you back for more. So it used to be, like, I would think, oh, no, they're just doing Hallmark movies. That sucks. But now that I know that actors love it, I'm like, good for Mm -hmm. her. Yeah, as long as, you know, she's having fun and um, uh, she's getting paid, good for her. She was in an episode of The Walking Dead, and I was very surprised to see her in it. Um, But she only lasts one episode. Uh, So I was quite shocked by that. Because it's like, that's Alicia Wet. That's someone I know. And she's in one episode. She was on Nashville. She had an arc on Nashville as well. Right. She has, really, she has a lovely voice and she's a piano prodigy. All right. Okay. See, I think Alicia Wet's really pretty in this She is. I movie. love her. I mean, I, th- I, mean, I think she's she was pretty back then anyway. But, um... So her secret is she was friends with uh, Natasha Griggs and Wagner. They were cheerleaders yeah. together. Yes. Even though, no offence to Natasha Griggs and Wagner, she looks older. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the age, um, <laughs> but she looked, she looked older. And Jen's choking on her coffee or whatever she's drinking. Yeah, I'm choking. Yeah. Oh, man. And now I, I'm, I feel the need to sneeze. I'm hoping well, it will just, pass. Well, if you need to sneeze, you need to sneeze. It's all right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is really entertaining. So yeah, so we're coming up to the the Dawson's Creek joke, where I don't want to wait. By Paula Cole plays on the radio, and uh, Joshua Jackson's character dismisses it with a great reaction. <laughs> How did that joke play for you at the time? Since that's um, not brilliantly, because um, I. I still, I knew that song from Dawson's Creek for the first season. Mm. Um, but after the first season, it, it changed to the the other one. Oh, so, like. so you guys did have it for one year. We had it for oh, the first okay. season. I thought yeah. you didn't have it at all. No, we had it for the first season. Uh, so yeah, that played for me very well. Because uh, I've already <laughs> seen it. Oh, okay. Then. Yeah, uh, we at this point I didn't even have Dawson's Creek, like we didn't have the WB in Tulsa, but I still got the joke, like I knew that was the theme. Um, yeah. But it sucks because I just rewatched Dawson's Creek, and I didn't get, I didn't watch the first season though, um, because I watched it enough. But I, uh, I didn't get to hear the correct theme song until I watched the last episode on DVD. <laughs> does oh yeah, does um. Doesn't Dawson's Creek get incredibly fucking boring? <laughs> um, I remember rewatching it and like season four or five, it just gets really quite well. Five, it's quite dull. <laughs> I think watching it week to week, it got boring. But binge watching yeah. it recently, I really enjoyed it. Okay, because I watched it. I got my little sister into watching it when she was younger, mm-hmm. and um. And she enjoyed it up until about season five and she got bored with it. And then I started getting bored with it, so we just stopped watching it. So she's never completed Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Man, this is like, it really sucks. She's with her friend. He drives her mm-hmm. out to like the middle of nowhere or whatever, and he's hitting on her. That's yeah. terrifying. Oh, she punched him though. So that's cool. Yeah, right in the face. 
Oh, I kind of want him to die. Yeah, that was a that was, well he does. Um, <laughs> that was a um, a nose breaking move there. That was like the palm of the palm of the hand to the nose that could have done some damage there. Yeah, I uh, learned that one in self defense. I took I took a yeah. self defense class right after Trump got elected. <laughs> no politics, Jen. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's politics to say that. After he got elected, there were men walking around saying they can grab women wherever they want. No, that's not politics. <laughs> that's just factually correct. And and that self defense class was right after the election was apparently the uh, biggest one they'd ever had. So many women showed up; it was insane. Um, and I've yeah. forgotten most of what I learned. So hopefully nobody attacks me. Oh shit! Right. Yeah. See that. And a movie that so far has been full of really shitty jump scares mm-hmm. and fake jump scares, that one really works. That's what a jump scare should be. You know, someone getting attacked out of nowhere, not like so- someone turning around a big loud music sting and it's someone standing there saying hi. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not a jump scare. That's just cheap shite. This is a genuine jump scare. And I really enjoyed that. That got me. Yeah, this, first this movie really does rely on jump scares. A lot of them did. Mm-hmm. A lot of them did. Um, the the teen slasher movies of the, you know, after Scream. Well, and it's not like Scream didn't have jump scares, but I felt they were a little more earned. Like the te- absolutely the tension. There's all it, it that you felt. There's also a difference between like just every once in a while doing a jump scare for a jump scare, and then like in Scream, it was that. I mean, the killer is there somewhere. And that's yeah. a different kind of thing because you're, instead of just being shocked, it's like you're shocked, but you also know it, they're going to show up within a minute anyway. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Gayhart's character is really strong. Yeah. I mean, so this is, so what? She, her boyfriend, her fiance died like a year ago, right? Yeah. So she's first of all there's got to be a lot of planning if she's going with the urban legends thing she's probably spent the past year studying and plotting uh mm-hmm. different scenarios because what she's got to like wait for them to just happen to drive out and park by a tree i mean so she's probably got a lot of backup plans but i would think in that year you also spend a lot of time training yeah like the dedication it took <laughs> to prepare for these murders that you gotta respect that. I don't respect the murder, but I respect the, no. the game. Yeah, <laughs> it's extremely thought out. Because I mean, now that we know, I mean, when you find out that she's actually targeting Natalie and trying to fuck with Natalie, it's like, yeah, this makes perfect sense that she followed these two here. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that though. Like, I I guess I hadn't really thought about it this deeply that. She can't plan this murder. So that means she probably has a kit. She probably has a go bag she carries with her that mm-hmm. has rope and like whatever else she needs for these things. Um, and she she has to have lots of plans for how she's going to handle each each option, like each urban mm-hmm. legend. And I'm wondering if like does she does Joshua Jackson take girls out to this place a lot like was this something that could be premeditated yeah this was my introduction to Loretta Divine by the way same here 
That means we're very white. Yep. Um, yeah, it was also my um, introduction to Pangria. Same. <laughs> and Pangria movies. Um, so yeah, very, very white. It's um, my upbringing was very, very Caucasian. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I, it wasn't that long ago that I found out Regina King was a child star and was on 227. Mm. Like, I, I, there's simple stuff I should have known I wouldn't know. Now I've seen some of 227, so I'm, I'm trying to remedy this stuff. But I still haven't See, seen any of those black exploitation movies from the 70s. Well, I hate to make the excuse that I'm Scottish, but I'm Scottish, <laughs> so it's not... We don't. I mean, we didn't have like two, two, seven. We didn't have a lot of those sitcoms over here. Well, and the, so the, the thing is, is that Nick at Night. You know, that was a huge thing here. Like that's yeah. where we saw older shows. They showed white shows. They did not show, um, like Sanford and Son or anything mm. like that. And looking back, it's like that. Why? What? Why? Why so racist, Nick at Night? Yeah. See, I know. I don't. I never saw Sanford and Son, but I saw the original Steptoe and Son, which was a British show, and it was about two white guys. <laughs> uh, but then they remade it in America with black guys, which is brilliant. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum again. Uh, and these are like, like half these people are on the WB. Like, this is around the time of Zoe Duncan, Jack and Jane. Um, oh my God, that show. <laughs> and it was off the air on the WB before we got the WB here. So I had only mm. heard of it and I never saw it until I watched some episodes on YouTube last year. Right. Well, we had a, a satellite channel here called Trouble and it was a, a teen channel that showed that show uh, I think the second season was just called Zoe. Yeah. Um, my cat's called Zoe, by the way, but she's not in this room. She's sleeping somewhere else. Um, and it showed Fresh Prince which were repeats because BBC Two had already shown Fresh Prince, but they also showed stuff like um, repeats of California Dreams and all that kind of thing. I have California Dreams um, on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Um, That's so who I my, sis my sister used to watch these shows when she was younger, so I used to watch them. So that's how I know um, Michael Rosenbaum. And then, obviously, Small Bill. Baggy up Smallville quite early on, actually. Oh god, she's smoking in her dorm room because this is 1998. Every single time you see her, apart from when she's getting murdered, um, she's she's smoking. It's just it's such a different time, like because I was in college just two years later, and it was like there were smoking floors. Mm -hmm. Like that's insane to me. That I mean, right, like right now, that wouldn't happen at all. Oh, remember yeah. payphones? I do, yes. Yes. We actually st we had payphones. In fact, we still have one in our um, high street. I think we do. I think there's still 100,000 payphones in America. Yeah. I feel like I read that recently. We used to have one across the park from us. We've got a shop there. And there used to be one outside the shop, but now it's no longer there because everyone has... Um, mobile phones, a library. You can't have a horror movie without someone visiting a library. <laughs> Libraries are creepy at night, especially if you're in the bottom yep. floor. 
God, I remember when I was a kid, I would watch movies like this, and I just wanted to go to college on the East Coast, because it's like, you see these movies, TV shows, and it's, you know, people go to, like, colleges on the East Coast, and they they wear lots of sweaters, and mm-hmm. and the, the colleges look all old and awesome, and I didn't care about the school part, but, like, aesthetically, I thought, <laughs> that must be great. Yeah. It would have been funny if she, when she was shouting hello to someone there, you just heard someone going, shh. I would have liked that. Shut up, it's a fucking library. Have you been to a library recently? Uh, no, because of lockdown. Well, I mean like within the past few years. Yeah. They don't, do they shush people at your library? They don't shush people at mine. No. Over here, we're just, I mean, if there's too much noise, someone will just say, you know, keep the noise down, please, as people trying to work. Because we also, our libraries get computers and stuff, mm-hmm. so um, people go there to to work. And sometimes, like, school kids will go there during school hours because they can't go home. So they'll go to the library and work there. So, um, yeah. But, no, I don't think I've ever heard anyone in our library say shush. See, I like how we see that one first mm-hmm. because we're just about to see that next uh the the um uh, do, uh about turning off the light with uh daniel harris's why does the guy the painting of the guy the drawing of the guy in the book who's hanging upside down above the car why does he actually look like joshua jackson why does he have the same hair that just looks a bit strange to me because the guy in the book had like sort of blonde hair mm-hmm. as well so I'm sure strange. they did that on purpose. I'm sure they did. So here's massive superstar Tara Reid. <laughs> uh, what's she doing? I don't know. I'll look that up. <laughs> Goffy guys on campus looking to hook up. Goffy guys. Not no. golf guys, golfy guys. No, it says gothic. It's gothic. Gothic. It just looks like an, an E. e. It yeah. does. That's a very bad font <laughs> to type in. <laughs> Man. See, this one doesn't make sense because how is how is um the colour typing to her if she's if it's in the same room? Um maybe they're in a nearby room. Well, Right, close, probably oh. nearby room there. But then she goes through in another room and then she comes back and it says, what room are you in? I mean, yeah, that's right. Like, because um, they don't have yours. Wi-Fi. No. So you tell me what room you're in. And she gets up and goes through and gets changed. And then she goes back through and it says yours on the computer. Oh, it looks like uh, Tara Reid is getting some of those Christmas movies for herself. Oh, good. Good for her. Oh, apparently she was in an episode in the first season of The Boys, and I do not remember that. I did not watch that. Oh my, it is upsetting. Well, I've read the comic, so the comic's majorly fucked up. Yeah. uh, I've read some of the comic. Last night I watched an episode that kind of ruined the Golden Girls theme for me. Like, that show is so crazy. Right. Right, see, it says yours, and it's flashing dramatically. (laughs) Man, she just wants to get laid. I know. Is racing more than the dead, yeah. 
And she called her Elvira because, you know, pop culture reference. See, this is terrifying, though. Oh, Danielle Harris was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So was Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah, she was, yeah. I read that as well. I didn't know Daniel Harris was. I think Daniel Harris still works, though. Yeah, this is... She's still doing, like, low-budget horror movies and stuff, so... Well, and I used to look up people and see, like, they were in a ton of things I'd never heard of, and I'd be like, oh, that's so sad for them. And now it's like, you're getting paid to act. Like, good for you. Because not everyone can be a movie star. Like... It's it's good when they're still getting a lot of work. Doesn't yeah, because when you're you, when you're younger, you tend to be sort of snobby about it, and it's like, oh, you're not a big movie star. Mm-hmm. What use are you? But now it's like we're celebrating the fact that Alicia Witt is working in Hallmark channels, and the Hallmark channel and loads of movies because she's getting paid for it. So yeah. you know that's it's a good thing now. Well, I've done I've done some research in the last few years. It used to be like there's this thing where everybody thinks that the goal um, for an artist is to be famous, and that's like the ultimate thing, right? And that mm-hmm. it's not worth it if you're not famous. And people love to talk about one hit wonders and how sad that is, right? But yeah. so let's say you uh, look up Semisonic. Um, I believe yeah. I believe they're all doing things, but like specifically, uh, I, I think his name is Dan Wilson, the lead singer. You'd be like, oh, so sad. Semisonic was like a one-hit wonder, then they went away. He's won Grammy awards for writing songs for Adele. Yeah, <laughs> the the one-hit wonder stuff is usually a load of bollocks. Yeah, because like one one-hit wonder for you could be different for me. Because mm-hmm. like Madness is a band called Madness. Yeah who I was a huge fan of back in the 80s, and they had one hit in the US, mm-hmm. and they're called the One Hit Wonder. They had, like, fucking 50 number ones over here or something. <laughs> you know, they were massive over here, so One Hit Wonder's kind of a, a, an odd term to use. Well, and people think of it as sad, like, oh, they only had one hit, and it's like, where's your hits? What did exactly. you do? Like, that's a huge accomplishment. There's also, yeah, getting to number one, yeah. What's interesting to me is the killers were massive here, and then they just weren't, like, you know, every once in a while you'd hear a new song of theirs on the radio. And these days they're bigger. But for the most part, you just hear, like, Mr. Brightside or basically yeah. songs from uh, the first two albums. And then I found out, like, they're massive in the UK. Yep. <laughs> like, they are, that's where they thrive. Like, they thrive worldwide, mm-hmm. but, like, especially, like, in especially in the UK. And it's like, oh, well, they are insanely popular not not everything has to be popular in america (laughs) no that's true because we have a lot of like homegrown artists Mm -hmm. here that are immensely popular um have loads of hits and then if you go to america nobody knows them but because nobody knows them in america they don't mean anything like their accomplishments tend to not mean anything because they're not famous in america yeah i don't like that attitude who's the big uh group is it take five is that to, uh, take that take that yeah take that mm-hmm. like they had one hit here did they yeah they had millions here <laughs> since the 90s yeah they had one hit here <laughs> that hardly anyone remembers <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but that's not the case over there it's i i read a lot of british teen magazines when i was a mm-hmm. teenager so i consider myself very savvy <laughs> Oh, look at that. See, this is what I love. This is what I love in movies is the killer who 
Like, it's so much worse because they become close friends with their target. Yeah. And, like, yep. it, there's something so sick about it that gives me a thrill. <laughs> right. So let's talk about the killer then. Um, Did you, when you first watched this, do you remember, like, guessing who the killer was? No. Did you know it was her? Or? No. No? Well, well obviously I knew because I was told about mm-hmm. it, but I would like to have, I don't think I would have guessed it. I mean, because I was thinking was Jared Leto. Jared Leto was my guess, probably. Yeah, I, I was thinking Michael Rosenbaum until he died. I think I would have. I think I was going in between. In I I rarely ever have a theory about who the killer is because, um, I know I'll be wrong. <laughs> so well, that that's all right. I mean, so I I know, but then again, if you guess it correctly, then you kind of spoil it for yourself. Yeah. Oh God. Uh before we saw the village, like when they first showed trailers for the village, Dylan was like, Oh, I know the twist. And mm-hmm. I was like, tell me. Cause I wanted to know if he was right or wrong. And then I regretted it when we saw the movie and like about a quarter through, I was like, Oh, he's right. And would I have guessed the twist? Probably not. No, no, I was, I was spoiled by the, the twist <laughs> to, um, the sixth sense. Oh, um, on the day I was going to the cinema to see The Sixth Sense, I went into an HMV mm-hmm. um, and I was looking at the CDs and I was looking at soundtracks because I was really big into soundtracks there. Mm-hmm. And the last track of the CD is Malcolm is Dead. Oh my God. Um, so <laughs> so that kind of sort of horrible. ruined that for me. On, the, on my way to the cinema to see the movie. <laughs> that sucks. That really that sucks. Is- it does that. That was it's two pretty people on screen right there. <laughs> uh, Jared Leto and Alicia. Yeah. Two pretty, pretty people. Um, this whole cast is beautiful. Yeah, because it's Hollywood people. That's how of it goes. course. Um. Right, so I do like that. I mean, Tara Reid's had a scene mm-hmm. with Natalie. I can't remember Tara Reid's character's name, but she's had she's had a scene, um, and I like that. So we don't forget. It does sort of layer in characters, so we don't really forget them when mm-hmm. they die, which a lot of slasher movies tend to do. It's like they want to just someone at the start, and then they don't get killed to maybe like an hour in, and it's like, oh wait, did that? Did I know that person? Were they were they in the movie? <laughs> it's so funny but. because they like cram in as many deaths as possible, right? And like the other day I watched Scream Four and the amount of people that died in that movie was insane. And I came home and because uh, I watched it at work. I came home and I was talking to Dylan. <laughs> I, I I and I did work. I it helps me concentrate, oddly. Um, but I came home and I was talking to Dylan about it and he was like, well, what's the death count in Scream? And we started going over the deaths and I was really impressed to see, like, not a lot of people died in that movie. No, no. Um, I watch a, a, a YouTube channel called Dead Meat and his, um, the main show on that is The Kill Count and he goes over the deaths of the, uh, of the, of the movies and Scream's got quite a low sort of, it's very low and I think the second one's a bit higher. Yeah. Um, but that's the whole bit, though, isn't it? That's the whole point of Scream 2, mm-hmm. that it's supposed to be bigger and, you know, more deaths. That's that's actually mentioned in the actual movie. Well, here's the thing about Scream that I wish applied to movies like this. 
deaths. Like they feel like they need to cram in as many deaths as possible. But when you have a mm-hmm. character that is trying to get revenge on a very specific person, mm-hmm. like all the other deaths are ridiculous. Like, and it, and it works in Scream too because you have like, um, Timothy Oliphant, like he just wants to kill, right? Yeah. So you can imagine he's gonna want to kill a bunch of people. But like in the first movie, it's it's a very personal thing, and in this movie, it's kind of like, why is she killing so many people? The the death of the dean doesn't really make that much sense. I mean, it doesn't really. The dean didn't have anything to do with her her boyfriend's um uh, death. Mm-hmm. So killing the Dean's just an extra body. And the other, but, like, if she's killing Alicia Wood's friends and stuff, like, she's at least tormenting her. But she can't know that Alicia Wood's going to find the body. Yeah, but is she not also, like, trying to set up Alicia Wood? Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? I can't remember. I think so. So that would make oh, okay. that would make sense. Okay. Okay. Still, but it's a it's lot of people. The... Yeah, it is. Um, if you watched like um, like a Nightmare on Elm Street movies, Freddy doesn't kill a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There's like three deaths in Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Um, he doesn't actually kill that many people, but you still remember Freddy Krueger. You know who Freddy Krueger is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Voorhees kills the most people. I think he's the most sort of prolific. Prolific. I can't speak. Perfect um, uh, slasher movie character. Uh, Michael Myers kills a few, but Freddy Krueger's quite tame. <laughs> he doesn't really kill that many people. To be fair, you know, he has to kill people in their um in their sleep. That's the only way he can do it. And then he messes with people a lot, quite you know, a lot of the time. He just likes to fuck with their minds first before he kills them. So if he just killed them straight away, then he would get a lot more victims. Can I confess something really dark about myself? Oh, God. <laughs> Remember, I can't edit this. I know. <laughs> Look, I I think media has gotten to me because I, you know, spent a lot of time watching these, like, teen slasher movies where there were way too many deaths, right? Um, mm. Just tons of deaths over the course of, like, usually a weekend or something. Like, a ridiculously short amount of time. And I didn't know really anything about serial killers, right? Like, I didn't, I'd never heard of Ted Bundy. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't know these people. And so then, as I've gotten older and gotten more into true crime and learned about it, sometimes I'll hear about a serial killer, and I'm like, oh, they only killed five people or whatever. And it's, like, over a long amount of time, like, it seems tame. And then I'm like, what's wrong Mm. with me? Because I'll... You know, I'll be listening to a true crime podcast and people are like, that's so horrific. And I'm like, that's nothing. And I'm like, oh, I watch too many movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's the thing, is that it's that's not how serial killers tend to work. <laughs> yes, Jen, that was a very dark thing to admit to But I mean, <laughs> it, you know, I remember when I was when I was in high school, like around the time of the Columbine shootings. People yeah. were talking about how um, these these mass shooters are so influenced by like video games and movies and stuff. And I was like, no, they aren't at all. But then I think about things like that and I'm like, I think that there's a part of a lot of us. And 
I'll talk about it. Not everyone wants to talk about it. And I get judged when I talk about it. But yeah. a lot of us are very jaded because we've watched too much of this kind of stuff. And I'm not necessarily yeah. saying it's bad or it shouldn't exist, but I think that it it skews what we think real horror is sometimes. Yeah. I like this shot because it's like a tracking shot as they're walking along with the camera, but also the sun is sh- they're shining in their hair mm-hmm. and it looks really good. Um, the Paul just got fired. Um, I don't know why, but he got fired from his job at the paper and um, the dean said, he said, you can't fire me, read the charter. But then the dean says, um, I didn't fire you, your editor did. Mm-hmm. Um, because we spoke about an hour ago. So doesn't that mean that the Dean was influencing that? <laughs> if he spoke to the editor and says, I think you should maybe fire Paul, that's still influencing it. Because why else would the editor fire Paul? It didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a really cheap scene. Um, we were supposed to think that uh, Rebecca Gayhart's character is going to get murdered. In front of Natalie. But and I think this is a way of saying, hey, this isn't she's not the killer. She's about to get killed. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> By the way, I I do love uh, a female serial killer in a movie because you know, women can, can get shit done. Yeah. It doesn't happen that often. Although there just aren't women serial killers in real life because we don't have the the anger. <laughs> yeah. Question though, why is this girl wearing this big thick fucking jacket? <laughs> why is she Why? Why is she wearing a big parka jacket? It doesn't look like it's like cold or anything because we just saw um Natalie and Paul outside. Oh, no, but, a nice day. but she's but she's it's chilly out, you see them wearing sweaters and stuff, and she's wearing her swimsuit under it. So if she's That's wearing true. her swimsuit out and it's kinda cold, she needs extra coverage. And the only thing that works is if you assume this kind of jacket is just popular right now. Yeah. Um, th- that line there where Brenda says, Natalie, nothing's going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. That's a little, um, that's because I'm the killer kind of moment. <laughs> just a little sort of break from there. So this is Natalie now telling Brenda something Brenda already knows. Mm-hmm. Um, unbeknownst to Natalie, Brenda already knows this story. Well, she does. She might not know all of it. She just knows that she was responsible. Well, that the other woman was responsible for her boyfriend's death. Man, that I love these kind of scenes where, like, the person who is trying to get revenge for an event is then told about the event. Yeah, because that's supposed to mess with us. That's supposed to, like, let us know that maybe this isn't the killer. Mm-hmm. It's, to, it's to make us think, well, who is the killer? Um, do you, I mean, do you ever guess a killer right in a movie? Yeah. Cause does that not, like, when you guess it right, does that not make you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that? Maybe <laughs> that sort of ruined it for I me. I mean... Like, you, you did with the village. And... You can't help but try to figure it out, though. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, generally, like, you know, they 
they give you hints that it could be like anyone. So it is, even if I feel like I know who it is, I, I rarely feel 100% confident. Yeah. That was some good crying acting there by Ellie Showett. Man. And of course the courts were leading it with them because they're white women. <laughs> and cheerleaders. Yeah. Cause exactly. Yeah. Like, do you think Rebecca Gayhart, at least for a second, considers maybe I won't finish my my plan? No. <laughs> she's no. too crazy. Yeah, I think she is crazy. I think she's a little bit... I think the character's a little bit too, like, crazy. And I don't mean that in the, the way that you just used it. I mean, like, she's far too crazy for the situation calls for... Um, she must have been like mentally unstable before, and this, that just pushed her over the edge. Because your boyfriend dying in a freak car accident doesn't usually cause people to go crazy and murder mm-hmm. other people. Um, and that's a genuine picture of um, Robert England as a young man. Handsome young man. He was a handsome young man. Man, I... <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say, but it was going to be brilliant. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> this um, this whole thing about the the fire or whatever in Pendleton, the massacre, sorry, in Pendleton back in the day means absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's a huge red herring. Um, so it is a bit strange that the dean. I like that he checks the back of his car, um, but he doesn't check underneath the car. Um. I just realized I think about his death a lot, but I'm never really aware of what movie I'm thinking of. Right, okay, so you just have an image of a man getting murdered. Yeah. <laughs> like, with a car. Yeah, and, like, this, um, the specific kind of murder. Yeah. Um. So, how far is uh, uh, Reese? How far is Reese away from the Dean when he gets the back of his leg cut? Because it happens very quickly. So she must be really out of earshot. Yeah. So Reese must run. <laughs> uh, you know what would be a great uh, device in a modern slasher movie? Mm-hmm. Is people constantly being really close to the murder but not hearing it because they have their AirPods in. Yeah. <laughs> like these days... So many of us walk around, like, and I'm sure it happens on campus because people are walking everywhere, right? That, like, people just have their AirPods in and just, like, aren't listening to anything except, like, their podcast or their music or whatever. Like, I would just like to see a movie where people are constantly getting murdered and it's getting missed because of that. Because people are just so into whatever's on their phones. Um, I counted, it's about 15 seconds between Reese walking away and him getting his leg slashed. The back of his leg slashed. 15 seconds. So where does she go <laughs> so that she's out of earshot from all this nonsense happening? Um, see, that is quite... Th- this movie's not exceptionally gory, mm-hmm. but the shot... Oh! Where... Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think about a lot. 
Yeah, but like the blood in this scene is actually really quite sort of when he gets his legs cut and you see he's he's sort of like the first time you see him lying on the ground and his legs are just like gushing with blood. That's really right. I have an issue here. Okay. Um. Okay, it's thunder and lightning because of course it is because it's coming up to the climax of the movie, but. If that's alcohol, that dog's dead anyway. Oh, poor dog. Because alcohol is toxic to dogs, and dogs should not be drinking alcohol. Yeah. So he's a very bad owner. Why is Santa Claus there? Because it's a party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just random Santa Claus. Someone must know Santa, and then they just asked him to come and join their party. Yeah, that that love roller coaster, mm-hmm. um, urban legend is total bollocks. Um, that's something I heard about when I was younger. That that's an actual scream of a woman getting murdered, um, used in the song, but it's actually the lead singer screaming. <laughs> He's just doing a, a fancy scream. Why you gotta ruin uh, urban legends so. for me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I. But I think I think the point is though that he doesn't really that he's wrong. I I don't think the movie's saying that it's a genuine thing. I think they're just saying that he's wrong. And Tara Reed's not having it because she knows music. Yeah. So I remember what I was going to say earlier, and it actually was yeah. important. This movie is sort of a commentary on the broken American uh, criminal justice system. Because the thing is, Natasha Gregson Wagner should have gotten more time. Not necessarily Alicia Witt. I don't know because like she wasn't no. driving. Natasha Gregson Wagner should have gotten in more trouble. She should have been punished more. And had she gotten the proper sentence, maybe. All these people wouldn't be dead because seeing like somebody who has had a loved one die and then see no justice, it can do a lot. It can do a lot to your mental health, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> well done. <laughs> this is an important film. It is. It's very important to the teenagers of nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> I think this movie did quite well. I think it was a hit. I mean, it had a couple sequels. Yeah, but one of them isn't even... One of them goes into the supernatural. The third movie, Bloody Mary, is supernatural, yeah. I only saw the second one, and I remember thinking, like, that lead actress, I really like her. She's very good. And then it's Jennifer Morrison. Mm. Yeah. The... It's the... Sorry. Oh, I was going to be depressing and point out that the the man who wrote this died earlier this year, Silvio Horta. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, he was in the commentary as well, so I was listening to. He wasn't really a fan of horror movies. <laughs> yeah, he created Ugly Betty. Oh, did he? Or the oh. the American version of Ugly Betty, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he died earlier this year, and it was oh, he's one of the, sometimes you look at people who've written these movies. And they've gone on to just do, like, a bunch of cheesy stuff. But, like, Ugly Betty was a good show. Uh, he did a show called Jake 2.0, which I never saw, but I heard was pretty good. And then mm-hmm. he was a consultant on P-Valley, which I haven't watched, but that's supposed to be very good. So he went on to do very non-horror stuff. So that's so, that's my bummer trivia for you. Well, I'm just going to make it even more... Um... Of a bummer, how did it die? Um, that's actually a really good question. Uh, let me see. 
we don't want to make it too downer and <laughs> uh, this Ooh. movie about people getting murdered. It's gonna be it's gonna be depressing. Do you want the answer? Was it COVID? Suicide by gunshot. Oh, that's worse. Yeah. Well, is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I mean, it, it, death is terrible, but that. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, fuck, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it seems like so long ago because it was in the before times. This was in January, where like COVID was a distant thing, kind of in the background. Right. You'd see news oh, from China. That's a shame. Yeah. God, this whole oh, that's a shame. everything everything about this year is a shame. Well, yeah, but we're talking about a movie from 1998, so let's remember 1998. Yeah, 1998 was fun. I was a teenager, so anything bad going on, I was very unaware of. Shit, how old is our 98? Here is Jeremy does maths. Um, <laughs> t- 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 depends, man. Because my birthday's in October, so for most of 1998, I was 21. Uh... Oh, I was in college in 98. Yeah, this came out. Yeah. This came out September twenty fifth. Right. Okay. So i i was I was twenty one. Then I would have been twenty two when I saw it. I met. Right. I met my husband in nineteen ninety eight. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. And we saw this movie together in the theater. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Um, so why are like why is Parker being an absolute complete and utter douchebag here? I mean, he's not. He's not, like, a nice guy earlier on, but this is, like, the first instance of him being a right arsehole. I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that and made him more of a sort of um, unlikable character to begin with. Do you know what I mean? But now he's just gone absolutely full-born arsehole and he's just going to die in the next scene, so it just kind of... I mean, I feel like he's been an asshole the whole time. See, I don't... I, I think he's just been sort of sort of an idiot you know not like stupid but like just saying sort of slightly assholeish things but here he's been full blown asshole. do you know what I mean yeah if he had another scene like this earlier he's, he doesn't like Paul we get that mm-hmm. but well maybe he's upset know. he's not as pretty well that's true not to take anything away from Michael Rosenbaum, um, who's not an unattractive man, but it's true. He's not as pretty as... Um, who's that? <laughs> Who was that in the car? She can, ha- she can have friends that aren't the stars of the movie. I know, but... I mean, I wonder if anybody watched this, especially like on um, VHS or something... And then thought uh, that was uh, Joshua Jackson because that's the same hair colour. Yeah. <laughs> same short hair. Uh, right. So, now the killer is using a phone to torment people, something that they haven't done throughout the entire movie. And now they're doing that just to get this one. I really hate the bit about the dog yeah. in the microbe. Yeah, that's a rough one. But this guy's an asshole who would care more about a dog than people. Yeah, no, that's true. But I care more about the dog than these people. <laughs> so. 
Oh god, that's so chilling. It's so chilling. See, I don't like that insert shot of the microwave. We know what a microwave looks like. It doesn't have to be like a flash of a microwave. This is all we need here is him running down the stairs and running to the microwave. Mm-hmm. We didn't need that insert shot. I, You know me, I always assume those kinds of things. Oh, God. Those things are uh-huh. always... And I assume they're a note from the studio who thinks that audience, the audiences are idiots. Yeah. This is very convenient. That the, the killer knew that he was going to run to the toilet. <laughs> And that no one else is going to the want to use the toilet. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it too hard, this movie doesn't check out. But it's, that's the same with Scream, though. There's moments in Scream where it's like, why the fuck is the killer in a supermarket when they're in the, well, the, the grocery store, when they're in the grocery store? Stuff like that doesn't that's, track either. That's but. the thing. That shot, and then there's a shot of the killer, like, kind of in the trees um, at Tim's yeah, house. Yeah, it makes no sense. Those two shots are completely unnecessary. Um, and otherwise, I think it's a pretty perfect movie. No, I love Scream. Scream's one of my favorite movies. I just, I um, hate it. Favorite horror movie. I hate it when you're watching a movie and it's like near perfect and there's just these like teeny tiny things, right? That, yeah. that just kind of ruin it. Or ruin, not the whole movie, but the, the mood at a certain point. Yeah, we should have done Scream. <laughs> See... When I was watching this other night there, I forgot about the guy in the background here. Mm-hmm. Um, her producer. I saw him at the beginning and I was like, what happens to him? But then this happens and he dies. I like that. I love I love stuff happening in the background. Like I like a yeah. guy being murdered in the background. Or there's, there's an episode of Community where the whole episode, there's this whole storyline about Abed and this pregnant woman. And, like, she gives birth, and he's there and helps her give birth. But it's, like, all in the background of other scenes. And I love it. I love um, I love business in the background. Right. I'm going to nitpick something else. Brenda got here exceedingly fast. Mm-hmm. Because she just killed... Michael Rosenbaum, and now she's here killing Tara Reid. Well, that's what we see. For all we know, there's like 20 minutes in between. I don't think there is. But they, I mean, they cut to time, like, you know, in a movie, they're constantly cutting ahead like an hour a day or whatever. Like, maybe it's just later. Um. Right, so the... He's a dick. I don't like that guy. <laughs> um. So the the music... I really like... I really love the score to this movie. This movie, Christopher Young did the music, and he's probably better known for doing like Hellraiser. Mm. But I think the score to this is one is an underrated slasher movie score. And this the music here is fantastic, and the track is called um, uh, I think it's called Sexual Acts, mm-hmm. which is weird, but um. But what's also weird is the fact that this track is the second track in the soundtrack. Weird. Yeah. I hate score but, soundtracks that where the score isn't in order. Yeah, no, it's really strange, but I really like the music here. I think it's a brilliant score. Um and one that's underrated. I I like the score to I still know uh, no, I know what he did last summer. But I don't like the score to I still know what he did last summer. 
That's a very cliched one. But I like this one. So, I really wanted... I really want um, Tara Reid's character to live. <laughs> I I love how much she's fighting back and how much she's running. Yeah. She's she's going for it. She's um she's trying to survive. And I really wanted her to I was like, Oh, I don't want her to die because she's really nice. <laughs> she's sweet. Um she's dating a douchebag. <laughs> at least at least she um outlives him. For a short amount of time, for an hour at least. She outlives him. <laughs> yeah. So this was um this came this was filmed the same summer or like around the same time as uh, Cruel Intentions. Uh, and they mm. were both produced by Neil H. Moritz. Mm-hmm. And I think that explains why Joshua Jackson's in both of them and Tara Reed's in both of them. Because Tara Reed has yeah. a very tiny role in the opening scene of Cruel Intentions. And I just connected that that's what it is, is that the producer probably, you know, stuck her in that. And because it's so weird that she's has just like, she's a voice on a phone in that movie. Yeah. Oh, this is awful. I know. Why do killers always walk so slow? I don't know. Tension. But I think, I know, see, I was heartbreaking um, and also headbreaking. Um, but I don't think that it's good that you, it's not like gory or anything or death. She dies off screen pretty much. So I, I like that. The show restraint now um, because it's bad enough that she dies. Um, but. <sighs> The little wave thing, mm-hmm. that's just to set up, that's not really set up anything, but it's just to show that Brenda shows that she's a killer by doing that little wave later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe the wave thing should have been something that the killer did throughout for the audience's sake, rather than just tacking it on in the last act. Uh, but it's fine. Um, I'm not really wanting to nitpick this movie. I'm just thinking of things to say because we have <laughs> an entire movie to talk through. <laughs> I just I, the joy of commentaries. I legit just keep thinking about the prep for this. Like, so when Rebecca Gayhart goes out, like, what's her jacket budget? Like, it, when she goes to get the jacket, <laughs> how many is she buying at once? Because clearly, since so much of this has to be improvised, she can't know how many she needs. Yeah. Um, so she's she's now Natalie's sort of thinking it's Paul here. Um, she's worried about it anyway that it could be, but Paul has actually got a really good idea that they should do more often in horror movies, and that's get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah, and they would have been fine if she didn't turn up yeah. right now. If um. If Brenda didn't turn up, they two could, we could have left, and that would have been it. Um, um, God, I, I can't even imagine like what you do in the situation. But I'll tell you what: what would be better is if she didn't kill Alicia, didn't try to kill Alicia Witt, because all of mm-hmm. this, like, wouldn't it be more satisfying to have her have to live with like having witnessed all this than yeah. to just kill her? I. 
Yeah, just let her live with the fact that she caused all this well, in a way. Because this is some angel shit. Like, this is what, or Angelus, this is what Angelus would have done, mm-hmm. right? Like, he wouldn't yeah. just murder someone. He's going to torment them by murdering everyone around them. True. He would. And that's one of the reasons why he's worse than Spike. <laughs> yes. But if you think, right. So I'm not going to talk about Angel and Spike <laughs> conversation. We'll do a we'll do a buffer commentary one day. Um, but this doesn't really make a lot of sense, and the fact that I, I think she's trying to frame Paul, but I don't know why is the body in the back seat of Paul's car? Because when I mean she's the one that points out that there's a smell, so they can go and check it out. But when does she think that all three of them are going to be in Paul's car? It doesn't really make a lot of I'm sense. I'm telling you, she's improvising. She's she's just go. I mean, maybe she thought she'd frame him. Maybe she thought, like, I don't know what she yeah, thought. Yeah, I but, don't know. Uh, I don't think you're supposed to think about it too much. I'm just, the reason I no, brought no. up the Angelus thing is just that I enjoy watching things where, and just watching, I'm not so insane, I enjoy it in real life. I love in TV and movies when people are kind of playing with their food. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what Rebecca Gayhart is doing. She could have just murdered the two girls. Yep. But she is seriously messing with them. Or, or with her. And which is so awful because shouldn't she be messing with Natasha Gregson Wagner since Natasha Gregson Wagner was the driver? Yeah. That makes no sense that she would kill her first and then mess with. Unless, um, may- no. maybe it is a case of like being you know sometimes you hear a story about something horrible that's happened and you're like yeah the person who did it is terrible but those people who stood by and watched they need they need to learn a lesson too yeah but she should have just messed with first girl she should have gone into grief therapy is what she should have done so, yeah, of course. It's once and again, it's, once again, it's commentary not just on the American criminal justice system, but our mental health system too. Yes, yes, Jen. Um. So the so Robert England's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't see him die. So, but she murdered him as well. I wonder if I can make any movie political if I try hard enough. Yes, you you absolutely can. I have, um, oh, I have full faith that you, Jen, can do that. Yes. Between all the political and all the true crime prod- podcasts I listen to, I'm pretty sure I can. Because I mean, when you listen to true crime podcasts, you also get into the criminal justice system and stuff like that. Like, I feel like I could really ruin any movie if I really wanted to. Yeah. And class issues. <laughs> yeah. See, they look down on this guy because he's just a janitor. And he's creepy looking. But this is... That's a very popular jacket at this college, the parka. I just wish in the background somewhere there'd been like a flyer or an ad or something that was like talking about a sale on these parkas. Yeah. That would have been helpful. Because... They do that and scream. That it's that it's a um, the boots Halloween costume 
Oh, yeah. Well, the Halloween costume you can buy anywhere. Um, and other people have them in the school. So... See, he doesn't have to be this intense. Yeah, but I bet you'd be pretty intense if you were a janitor at a school full of uh, rich, entitled kids. Yeah, white kids. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, so where did Brenda get a car? Um... I think she's now she's stealing cars. Is that not what's his face's car? Is it, I think it is. Is that Paul's car? I think it is. So Robert England's just like sort of rolling about in that the boot of that car then. He's just getting knocked about. Because she must have hid the parka somewhere in the mask that she's wearing to cover her face. Yeah, I feel like I, I wish they'd showed her carrying like just like a really big messenger bag everywhere or something. <laughs> I I like to imagine she just has like killing tools and parkas stashed all over campus. Yeah, possibly. So is that guy dead? I could, I think his eye was open there, so I think yeah, I hope he's not he's dead. I know that's not nice, but um. Oh man, Loretta Devine is not having it. No. I love her. She's in the sequel as well. Mm-hmm. I remember being so taken with her in this movie. And mm. it's one of those things where I guess, like, I didn't realize how much I'd seen her in. And then after this movie, I noticed she was in everything. Yeah. She's really good as mm-hmm. Reese. But I like that. I like that she's in the sequel, even though the sequel was absolutely awful. The sequel's terrible, isn't it? I only saw it once. I I, I remember it not being very good, but um, yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. I've, I've seen Bloody Mary once, and that was terrible. Man, this just. Um, I think there's. Sorry. Oh, this just makes me really want to watch more slash movies. Like, I think this week while I'm working, I'm going to watch I Know You Did Last Summer. Well, we could always do a commentary <laughs> on that. <laughs> I don't mind. I, I want I want to do more commentaries for the for the site. Um. Oh, there's rats. Oh, that's worse than murder. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously not really. But oh my god, we used to live in this really nice apartment. Like we shouldn't have been living in an apartment that nice. It was too expensive. But at one point, yeah. we had a mouse problem. And it was hell. Living Yeah, we, we, we had mice last last um winter. Well and, w- um, when you're living on the ninth floor of a building Oh that's worse. With apartments, like you can't control what's going on in all the apartments. It is awful. Mm. Like it's why we left the apartment. Um Kate Mara as in Urban Legends, Bloody Mary. I saw that. I was telling Dylan that, you know, when these sequels to these movies, and not sequels like Scream, where they get the original people back, but, like, yeah, things like this or Final Destination, that you'd be like, oh, no one's in this movie. And then you go back 20 years later, and you're like, look at all the people in these movies. Although Final Destination still had, they were still released theatrically, at least. Yeah. 
And so she also had time to take all these bodies to this um, this house, including one that just died that very night. So, and how convenient that they managed to get to the house. Yeah. Oh. Hey, we found Damon. Ugh. Damon's been missing for days. There he is. Man, these things were easier to do before cell phones. <laughs> like, slasher movies, like, movies like this are tougher when cell phones yeah. exist. Although Scream does play with it, like, the Scream. Yeah, they do a really good job with that. But, like, like I remember Wrong Turn, They it, it had to be a big thing that none of them were getting a signal. And that wouldn't work as well now. There are places where you don't get a signal, but I think that it's people would find it less believable. Yeah. She didn't even check her pulse or anything, so... Oh, just punched in the face. Well, why would she think she was the killer? Well, why would she think she was dead? Because everyone else is dead. <laughs> but, she's just, but she just saw her, like, half an hour ago... And that she has no marks on her, no blood or anything. Okay, let so she doesn't check. Her friend could be unconscious. Well, here's the thing: she has just had most of her friends die, and she's been chased by this killer. Do you think she's really thinking straight at this point? Yeah, that's my defense of Alicia Witt right here. Oh, man, that hair. Such good hair. I know. But it's it's weird that um she just goes really, really she goes for it. <laughs> she goes for it. Um and it's like now you have I have shown to you that I'm the killer. I'm now a lunatic. You know, it happens a lot in um, horror movies. Yeah, but she's also been holding her crazy and it must have hurt. Like Exactly, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, I remember after seeing Scream 2 thinking, I, I, I was just kind of like, how do I feel about Laurie Metcalf? Because she had those crazy eyes, like she gets just a little too crazy. And Dylan pointed out that he totally bought it and that it was just like, I think there's something about women too, where like, if, if, if the killer was a guy and she you know, is in this house and, you know, say Jared Leto shows up and all of a sudden he seems really angry and has crazy eyes. You wouldn't question it so much, but I think there's something about an angry woman. Like we don't see women like this very often. And so we have trouble buying it. She's just really going for it. I like that though. Like mm-hmm. the shot of her boyfriend's face on her. There was another good shot earlier on when Tara Reid was about to get murdered. But when she's getting chased about and you see her at one side of the mirror and the killer on the other side of the mirror. Mm-hmm. Eh, not the mirror, sorry, the window. And the reflection of the outline of the jacket was on the window, but it was Tara Reid's face that was in the middle. Mm-hmm. It, like like she was wearing the parka. That was a really good shot. Um, and I think that was also to symbolise that the woman is a killer, uh, the killer is a woman. But then again, maybe the movie's not that deep. They just like to shot. Um, but it's good job that um, Paul also finds this house, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, Natalie would be dead. 
Yeah. Man. Andres. God. What a sexy serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's so pretty. It's, yeah, it's rather annoying. Mm -hmm. Man, she must, like, have memorized every urban legend. She must have done. They actually do this. Uh, the kid in the heist actually do that in the second one. Oh, they do. Yeah, one uh, one of the victims wakes up in a, a a bath full of ice, and her kidneys missing. It's a really good one. That's a good urban legend. Yeah. That was probably one I'd never heard of. That's one I didn't hear when I was a kid. That's one from when I got older. I don't think that's when they tell children. Reese is ready to kick ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love a cop cooperating uh, because in these movies, a lot of times the cops are like blowing people off and or or not doing their job very well. But she's doing her best. Yeah. So what is the... She's trying to blame this on Robert England's mm-hmm. character. Now, I thought she was trying to set up Alicia Whip, but she's not. She's trying to set up Robert England. But that makes absolutely zero sense because Robert England is dead. And he's been dead for a while. They could tell he's been dead for a while. He's been stuffed in the back of a car. I think she doesn't um, understand that. Yeah, I don't think so. I think she's too far gone. But she should have at least just knocked him out and locked him up somewhere. See, this is this is the thing, is like, if there was a female serial killer these days, she would probably be much smarter, because as you know, women, or at least white women, are obsessed with true crime, and she probably would have listened to tons of true crime podcasts and totally yeah. uh, understand uh, what she should and shouldn't do. And that's why people should be glad that... Uh, we are able to control our emotions better <laughs> in our anger yeah. because like there's way too much stuff that I know about what she's doing wrong here that I should not know. Yeah. Cause there's no way I thought about that in high school. <laughs> oh, this is the best. I mean, she, uh, uh, Brenda gets up a hand, but this is still cool. So, uh, Oh, I know that looks like a sore one, and then she gets shot as well. Man, I love the late nineties. I love all the teen stuff, and and by teen, like that includes you know, college movies. Like, um, I used to, but now I'm an old man. <laughs> Um, and now I'm 44 years old, I tend to be like, oh, I uh, I just can't. And again, I also think it's, to go back to the Scottish thing, I also think it's sort of different because our college and all that is different here. Mm. So we don't have the dorms and stuff as much oh, really? over here. We go to college and then go home. <laughs> um, like, at the end of the day. Unless, you know, we are studying... Um, down in England or someone from England studying up here then they'll 
they'll they'll have somewhere else to stay. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. So I think she is really too far gone here now because she's she's believing Paul here. Um, well, because yeah. everything's falling apart, and I mean, I and I don't think you understand it. Women need men to explain things to them and fix their problems because we have teeny tiny brains. Jen, I've told you before. <laughs> stop saying things like that when I'm drinking. <laughs> I didn't plan it that way, but when I saw you drinking, I was delighted. I like how she says, you're cute, but you're not that fucking cute. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I enjoy a good eeny, meeny, miny, moe with deciding who to kill. Oh, nice. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Reese is the best. Man, this is a really white movie. Like, I was just thinking about how great it is that the black character doesn't die, but, like, because that's pretty typical. But also, why is she the only black person in this movie? Yeah. Like, I love my teen stuff from the late 90s, but I'm, it's definitely flawed. Do you know, like, I think we should do... I don't know. There aren't that many, like, late 90s slasher movies with black characters. Um, like, I still know what he did last summer has a couple. Mm-hmm. And one of them actually survives to the end. Well, I, as, you know, a lead character. And I, actually, now that I think about it, good on them because it was like four characters and half the cast was black. So... Yep. Yeah, it is like Valentine is a bunch of white people. Oh yeah. I know you did last summer as much white people. The faculty. I um, love the faculty. Usher is on the p- me too. We should do a commentary on that. Um the uh the poster for the faculty, Usher is like right up there at the front and he's in it for like what five minutes? I forgot he was in it. Yeah, exactly. This part here, this just a little bit too much, I think. Um you know, she's still alive. She's in the car with them. They didn't check the back seat. Um, but yeah, it's just a bit. I liked, I liked her falling out the window. And they should have done a Michael Myers at the end of Halloween and just have her missing. Mm-hmm. Rather than actually see her floating in the water. Because we know she's not dead. By the end of this movie. And spoiler alert for um the second movie, she's in that briefly as well. Oh, she is? She Man, is. And I need to watch that. Right at the very end. Yep, Escher sure is at the front of the faculty poster. He also, they yeah. made it look like he was a bigger star if she's all that. Yeah. Same thing with Cisco uh, in uh, Get Over It. Is he not in that as much? As you would expect, because he has in the front cover of the he's in DVD scenes, in but he doesn't have a lot to do. Right, he's not one of the stars. Yeah, it's like there's three or there's four guys in it. And he's like he has the four, he's like fourth, you know, like as far yeah. as what he has to do in the movie. It's mostly him flirting with Mia Kunis. Right. Okay. 
God, I wish they'd so, gotten like some good cameos from known actors. And the wardrobe's really bad too. But look, this friend's group's got a black person in it, but I couldn't imagine a have one. It just seems so cartoonish. Like, look at the way this girl is dressed. No no offense to these people, but they're not as attractive as yeah. the original group. Um but the Oh, it's really it's it's this ending's really strange. Because why is Brenda back at the college? This, you know, the problem is, is that with these kind of movies, people like a nice twist, right? Like, no, I understand that it's not good. But then this also, I mean, the other interpretation of this ending could be that it was an urban legend, and she's not the same person she was in the rest of the movie. It's just that they've been telling that story. I don't know. It's sloppy. I hate it. I hate that that scene. I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff. Like, at the end of Carrie, when Sue Snell is sleeping and she dreams about, like, going to the grave and Carrie's hand pops out. I like that ending. It's fine, but I love we that do ending. not need oh, that. Especially because especially of the way it was shot, because it was shot backwards. And it gives it sort of a, a dreamlike quality. Um, so it's not, right, straight away, it's not supposed to be like a cheap... It is a cheap sort of, it was all a dream ending, but the way it's shot and the way it's lit, it looks like a dream in Carrie at the end. Um, Like, the one in the end of Friday the 13th, the first Friday the 13th mm-hmm. movie, where the survivor girl is on the canoe, yeah. and then Jason pops out the water mm-hmm. and grabs her, but then that, that's a dream. I don't like that one, because that's cheap. But the way the Carrie one shot, I think it's, um, it's sort of justified but uh but yeah a good twist ending you, you i mean emphasis in the word good by the <laughs> way carrie is the perfect example of how i can i i see what you know I, you know i mean obviously i'm like joking whenever i say this about the criminal justice system but uh sometimes if i'm talking to somebody about carrie especially the book they get real shocked about the fact that I see it as a story about bullying. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't necessarily even think about the telekinesis and the murders. I, I think of it as, uh, of a, course, it's about bullying, though. But like, that's not the first thing most people think about when they think about Carrie. Well, it's 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 about growing up in a um a shitty sort of family, um thing uh, situation but also being bullied at school it's about you know it's a it's a coming of age story because she has her first period at school and she gets bullied for it so the, that's the whole point of it is the bullying she she kills her bullies it's you know it's but that's I mean and that's the thing where you you are thinking about the movie as a whole, whereas what uh, I think most people take away from movies like that is they take away the uh, the third act, right? So they think about yeah. the gym, they think about the bucket of blood, they think about the murders. Um, it's the same thing as, like, when I watch Home Alone as an adult, I am more interested in this kid. Like, first of all, the family sucks. Like, I'm, I'm more interested in the dynamics of the family and how Uncle Frank needs to be punched in the face. 
and I know we'll talk oh, we'll talk more about this when we do that that movie. But mm. um, I and I think about this kid left alone and like how scared he is what he's dealing with. I forget about the robbers. <laughs> yeah, like that's not something that's on my radar. And when I tell people that, they act like I'm a freak. <laughs> yeah, no, Home Alone is about. Well, the the, the title of the film's Home Alone. <laughs> So, you know, it's about a child being neglected by his family and his family being a bunch of arseholes. And they learn absolutely fuck all because the whole thing happens again in Home Alone 2. I, I, I have a video of Xander when he's like three or four and he's holding a Home Alone DVD and I asked him what Home Alone was about and he goes, he, and he looks like he's being really thoughtful about it and he goes, Home Alone is about freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay and he's not totally wrong <laughs> no he's not actually I mean watching it as a child I can completely understand that he's home alone he's got the freedom you know mm-hmm. away from his family and his parents and yeah that must be great for a kid to watch <laughs> uh, it's wish fulfillment right so the movie has ended mm-hmm. um <laughs> Uh, like to thank you all for listening if indeed you have endured the past hour and however listening to us talk about this movie and others we tend to do that um, you can find more I've got some more commentaries on the website shiftybench.co.uk but also our podcast which is So What's The Problem Drop The Pilot and the new one Fringe Division which is a Fringe Rewatch podcast um, at Drop The Pilot Pod on Twitter where can people find you on the internet, Jen? Uh, I'm at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter, and I have a podcast called uh, Closer to Free, which is a Party Five Rewatch podcast. Brilliant. Right. So, thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.